What is good, everyone? My name is Nick Ingvall, and welcome to the Sneaker History Podcast. On this special edition episode of the show, I'm taking you back to a panel that I hosted back in 2019 at DesignerCon. If you're not familiar with DesignerCon, it's an annual art and design convention that combines collectible toys and designer goods and pop art, all in one massive event in Anaheim. Many of the artists that you're familiar with for collaborating on sneaker brands are a part of this community. And four years ago, I actually got to bring some of my creative friends from the sneaker world to share their stories. On this panel, we had Gary, a.k.a. Freehand Profit, Chris, also known as Nightwing2303 from Wear Testers, Tamara Dia from Network, Complex, and MTV fame, Reina Coyano, a.k.a. Viva La Reina, and Jacques Slade, a.k.a. Cousteau. Each of them shared their stories and insights on how they turned their passion for sneakers into opportunities to do what they love. If you'd like to watch this episode, you can find the video version of it on our Patreon page. And if you're in the SoCal area, this year's DesignerCon is going down December 15th through 17th, and I'll be there on the 16th. So I hope you enjoy this conversation, and I hope to see you at DesignerCon this weekend. All right. How's everybody doing? So my name is Nick Engvall. I run a podcast called Sneaker History, a site called Sneaker History. I've spent about 12, 13 years working in the footwear business in some way, shape, or form. A lot of these people up here I've worked with at some point along the way, and uh, they all have very unique hustles going on through their passion for footwear. And I just wanted to bring them together to kind of showcase to you guys what's possible. So um, I'll let them introduce themselves. Uh, my name is Chris, also known as Nightwing2303. Uh, we have a YouTube, we have, thanks. <laughs> we have a YouTube channel, uh, Wear Testers, as well as a media site, weartesters.com, where we focus on primarily the performance of the shoes that you guys wear. My name is Gary Lockwood, better known as Freehand Profit, and for the last nine years, I've been making one-of-a-kind masks out of highly coveted sneakers. Uh, my name is Jacques Slade, a.k.a. Uh, Cousteau, I guess is the best way. Uh, and I do uh, unboxings and reviews of sneakers online, and I also host shows. And my name is Reina, uh, also known as Viva La Reina on Instagram. And I do these illustration series called Soul Fatale, where I integrate sneakers with pinup art. My name is Tamara, a.k.a. Tamara Dia. <laughs> um, I am a TV host and a sneaker enthusiast, and I've parlayed my passion for sneakers into a wonderful side income. So here we are. Right on. So... I didn't, I didn't tell you guys this, but I want to try to take a couple questions at the end from anybody, so we'll save a little bit of time for that. Um, but I just wanted to start out, kind of ask, um, if you remember the first time you got any amount of money, because I know we all started at very, very little amounts to do this, because we were already doing it just for the love of it. So maybe talk about your first experience getting that first check connected to sneakers. I don't remember the first check. I remember the email from YouTube asking if I wanted to be a YouTube partner and thinking, oh crap, I'm gonna be able to earn a living. And about a year later, I got my $100 stipend that you have to earn up to before you get cashed out. So wasn't making anything right away. Um, but when I got that partnership, that was the day that I was like, in five years, I'll replace my income with this. And in three years, I replaced my wife's income. So she quit her job. And then two years later, I replaced mine and then quit mine. So three years, Chris will not be up here. His wife will be. Um, 
No, but I, one of the things I wanted to point out is just like the time that it takes. So if everybody can just keep that in mind, because I know we all put in way more than people see because people just see the Instagram account. That's great. Well, I was going to say 10 years later, I'm sitting here. <laughs> so. uh, yeah, I mean, the first time got a check off of the sneaker mass, it was it was small stuff. Uh, but the one that stands out in my head most was the first commissioned mask I ever made was uh, the LeBron Fort Dunkman. And those came from the designer of the shoe. So I thought that was a really, that meant a lot to me as far as Milestone, not only being my first mask, but coming from the person who, who designed the original. So that was dope. Uh, for me, uh, it was when I was working, uh, I was working for a sneaker publication. This was back in 2010. Um, I made a YouTube video, um, called today in sneaks. And I remember I got paid $25 for, uh, creating that video. <laughs> um, and for me, uh, the first time I made money from my sneaker art was when I printed just for fun, um, not even intending to sell. And I just offered it, uh, just to friends just to say like, Hey, like, this is what I made. And before I even asked for money, like people were just like giving me cash. And so that was very unexpected and I was very shocked. <laughs> so that was my first night. Um, I guess my story is a little bit different. We have YouTubers and sneaker artists. Um, I've started making money just simply because I loved sneakers and started posting them on my Instagram. Um, I think the first time uh, I really realized it was something dope was when brands started reaching out to send me free sneakers. And for someone that spent a lot of my money on sneakers, I was like, oh, snap, like it's coming back to me somehow. Um, and then they started reaching out to pay for me to post their sneakers online, which again, I was like, is this real life? Is this happening? And yeah, it's pretty rad. I gotta say, I'm pretty excited about it. So I think that it's important to just recognize the, the, the variety of ways that you can go about it. And more importantly, just like the passion that, that you can see from every one of these people up here, how they're able to just continue to do something that they are, are passionate about. And eventually it will happen regardless of how difficult it is. And like, like Raina said, oftentimes like it's your friends and you think they're gassing you up, but they're actually just wanting you to do what you love because they feel it. So, um, I want to kind of, kind of switch gears a little bit. Um, I want to ask mainly because I am, uh, proudly a sneaker hoarder. And I think that that comes with the territory when you're buying something that just takes up space and you can only wear one at a time until somebody creates, you know, a six shoe pair. But, um, what, what, how do you, how do you balance the passion? Because it feels like even for me, somebody who does mostly behind the scenes business work in this, in this world that I can never turn off. And sometimes that's draining. So, you know, how do you, how do you, how do you turn it off and on? And like, how do you keep that going? Uh, for me personally, it doesn't turn off. And there was a number of times throughout these 10 years that I felt like just kind of like throwing in the towel, um, tired, body hurts, uh, you know, spending lots of time, like all your free time building a brand or a business and, uh, you want to do other stuff. And so, there's been many times when I've taken breaks from creating content and then I realize that I'm talking to my wife about sneakers or I am talking to you about sneakers or I'm 
texting Jacques and we're talking about sneakers and I'm like, why am I going to stop getting paid for this when I'm still going to be doing it when I can just get paid, do what you love and do it every day. And so that's where, like, once you realize that when your passion fuels your income, it, it's like that, that saying where you never feel like you work a day in your life. It's literally that I wake up and I'm like, what do I want to do today? <laughs> and, and I just do whatever I feel like and, and make cool content. I mean, I'm going to reiterate a lot of what Chris said, because that's, that's really what it is. Uh, for me, art making is an obsession, and I'd be doing it whether I was making money or not. So I better start making money at it. And uh, that's kind of how it's played itself out. As far as finding balance, uh, I'm always looking for it, and I don't think I ever find it because it's always, the scale is always going to be tipped towards the art. So the best way for me to find balance is to make the time uh, for self-care, meditation, yoga, workout, whatever you do to keep your body sharp so that your mind can carry forward and, and hopefully be healthy. Now, and I, and I say that being the worst at it because the obsession kicks in and nothing is important but making that work. But yeah, balance, is, it, just keep looking for it, I think is the key and strive for it and Hopefully you'll hang in there. Yeah, I, I would say uh, I think work is work, uh, no matter whether it's your passion or not. Work is work when you're doing it for fun and collecting for for the for the love of it, or just getting sneakers just because you love them. There is a certain like mental state that you're in, as opposed to when you're working. Um, that's a that's a different mental state that you're in, even if it's doing the same thing. Um, and I try to try to separate those two. know that sometimes a lot of the times the shoes that I'm getting, they are for work because um, that's my job. But also like taking a, a moment to kind of step away and really appreciate what it is that I'm doing and appreciate the sneakers that I'm doing. Like I may get a pair of sneakers because I know I need to make a video about these and I need to review these. And but it'll be like two weeks down the line when I just have some dead time and I'm like organizing shelves. And I see a pair of sneakers and that's when I kind of take the time to be like, oh, okay, these are really dope and like really take in what the sneaker actually is and what that sneaker meant to me way back then when I was originally kind of getting into sneakers. Um, so I find like that's the way that I kind of separate the passion versus the work. Um, I know like the work is the work, but, the, but then take those moments, those small moments, whenever they are to, to appreciate the, the, the work. I mean, the, um, the design and the technology and the performance of the shoes like I did back when I was a kid and I first saw like a Jordan 11, like take those moments then. Um, I, I'm a graphic designer during the day. And so I'm drawing and creating all the time. And for me, it's really important that I make a very clear separation where, you know, my, what I do during the day is for a client or it's for someone else. It's I'm doing the work to solve someone else's problem visually and creatively. And what I do with sneaker art is strictly for myself, selfishly, but it's for me to uh, explore creatively and see what I can come up with. And having those two separate worlds actually end up feeding each other. And that's really important. That's a very important system to have to actually uh, fuel both of both worlds that I'm trying to handle. Um, but yeah, I think the key for me is to make sure I set a very clear border where this is for work. This is not for me. And from here, this is strictly for me. And I'm not doing it for anyone else or for anyone else's opinion. Like it's what I uh, authentically want to create and what I want to put it out to the world.
If someone has a life hack for how to have a proper work-life balance, please let me know because I'm every day trying to figure that out. Um, <laughs> in regards to sneakers though, um, for me, it is um, just one side of what I do for a living. Uh, in terms of turning the passion off, I don't think that, that ever goes away. You know, I was the little girl that used to wear sneakers and that still in many ways I still am. Um, so it's something that I've been able to monetize. And I do think there are times where you get frustrated with it because it does take up a lot of your personal time in many ways. Um, when you turn your passion into uh, work, you kind of I don't think you lose like the the heart that you have behind it. But like Jacques was saying, like, I have to do this. I have to post this. It has to look like this. So the brand is happy. Um, and it sometimes you just want to open up a box and get really excited about the sneaker, you know, and you want to look be like, oh, wow, this leather is so fire. Or, like, oh, I love what they did here. You know, like that's still there. But sometimes when it is for work, you you lose a little bit of that. So I want to go back to something Chris said, basically. I think everybody um, hits that wall at some point and wonders if they throw, should they throw in the towel. And I want to ask everybody here to say, to share maybe a moment along the way, specifically where you hit that wall and you like have something that comes up to really just like push you back in focus because it really is about kind of like what you said, where you, you, you kind of realize that this isn't going away. Like if you're obsessed over something, whether it's sneakers or art or any other of the beautiful things that are here right now, it's just about pushing through that. So maybe you could talk to one of those times along the way. Which one? Because there's there's a lot. <laughs> um, for for me personally, I've uh, rebranded a lot within the last ten years. Where the channel started off as you know Nightwing two three zero three, and it's like, oh, what's that? And that might resonate with a couple of the the nerds that are here that read comic books. Um, but, you know, but most people are like, what is a Nightwing and why are you reviewing shoes? And then uh, I had rebranded to what was called kicksoncourt.com. And unfortunately, a competitor uh, kind of trademarked my business uh, from underneath me, which made me want to quit again. And I know that you and I had a few discussions about that. Um, personally. And so there was another rebranding phase from Nightwing to Kicks on Court to then what's next. Um, luckily, I have good friends and uh, like a good family behind me. So we're able to kind of like take a step back, breathe, rebrand again. Now we're wear testers. Uh, wear testers is bigger than Kicks on Court ever was, um, bigger than Nightwing ever was and all that stuff. So, you know, there's always like there's always those moments. It doesn't matter even if you have a regular like nine to five, like there's always that one douche where you're just like, man, F this guy, right? Like I just want to like quit or whatever. But, you know, you can't always just like give up that easily, especially if it is your passion. And again, like it's that whole like you want to quit, but you won't stop thinking about it or you can't stop. And so it's like, why? Like, why would I rather do something else than than this? Uh, I, again, I think you said it, like how many times have we wanted to just throw in the towel? Because it, it's not easy. Um, I think one of the things that has kind of kept me going is I am locked into a waiting list. I have two years of people waiting for masks. So even if there's something I'm working on that makes me want to just give up and walk away from it all, I, I can't. Like there's work that's owed. Get back to it. And 
that mentality is good. Like there's no stop. There's no finish line. There's not, oh, I made it. There's everything's going to be smooth from here on out. It's you're in the trenches every day. And uh, I'm thankful for that because when I have the hindsight to go, I'm so glad I didn't give up in that moment because I fought my way tooth and nail to get here. And I'll be damned if I'm going to walk away. You're going to have to drag me out of here kicking and screaming. So, you know, just like you said, can't stop, won't stop. Yeah. Um, for me, I guess that wall always, always is kind of there. Um, I guess it, I should say it was always kind of there. Um, and that was more when I felt like I lost why I was creating instead of creating just because I loved it. I was creating more just because I wanted the audience to love what I was doing. Um, and I had to change that perspective. Um, like, and I remember like specifically, um, when I got to a million subscribers on YouTube, I was like, this is going to be the moment. This is going to fix everything. Like I'm going to be a million, I'm going to get a million subs. Everything is going to be fine. And it was probably like one of the most shallow moments that like I've ever had. Like I hit a million and I was happy for like two seconds and it was like, all right, back to work. Like, that's it. And like that, at that point, I really kind of got to the point where I was like, okay, I just need to recreate because I love it. Like it can't be to get a million subscribers or to get to reach 2 million now. It's like, I just need to create the best content that I can create and let that live for itself and be happy with that as opposed to being happy with like the metrics and the numbers. Um, don't get me wrong, the metrics and the numbers, they are important and they help. Um, but I can't use that as my barometer for success. Um, and so I think that's what helped prevent that wall for me is stop using that as my barometer and use the, the quality of the material that I'm creating as my barometer and use that. Cause with that, that's something that I can always push to be better. Um, that's something that I can control. I can't control the audience. I can't control the watch time. I can't control the algorithm, but I can control how the lighting goes. I can't control how I tell a story. Um, and I can't control how I shoot a product. And so that's started to be my barometer for success as opposed to just like the metrics and the numbers. And that really helped push that wall, sorry, push that wall a lot, a lot further back uh, than it was originally. Um, for me, I think creative block wall, it's like inevitable. And it's something that, you know, like, like you said, it's, it's always going to be there. But for me, I think how I deal with it is just remembering to take a break every so often. I feel like creativity um, works kind of like a workout, like how your muscle works. Um, you know, when you work out so much and you kind of hit a plateau or like I'm doing so much, like why am I not, you know, getting stronger or like more flexible? And sometimes you just have to take a break and kind of step back. And then once you get back into it, you'd be surprised like how much far you actually actually did go. And I think, you know, remembering to take that time every so often to be like, OK, this is a time for me to take a break. I'm going to reset and then let's see how I can go from there. I think that's a very important um, thing to do. OK. Right. Um, again, my situation's a little bit different um, because the content I create is predominantly images for Instagram. Uh, when it comes to sneakers. But again, there's always the pressure of making the brands happy, getting the likes and all of that stuff that messes with your head and your mental health in many ways, if you're not careful with that. 
Um, I think my, I've never like given up because honestly, sneakers have taken me so far. They've taken me places and introduced me to people I never in a million years thought I would meet or interview or be in the company of just simply because I love sneakers, which is so wild to me. Um, so I can't quit because there's still so much more to do and so much more to experience. And yeah, I love uh, Jacques always uses the hashtag because sneakers and I love it because there's so many times where I'm in a situation. I'm like, how did I get here? And I'm like, oh yeah, because sneakers. Yeah, I, I have to agree. I mean, that's like one of the things that I always love our relationship, just having being friends and like that constant reminder of like, you got it good, you know? So, um, I kind of want to like talk about, um, I guess, I guess this might be more towards like Tamara and, and Jacques because you guys get to do, I guess like higher level brand deals. Um, I'd love to hear kind of like maybe a piece of advice in that realm because I think, I think sometimes like in this community, the art community, right? Sometimes that can be looked at in two different ways, right? You're either totally against it or sometimes those people fund you, like you said, connecting with Nike from the very beginning in an early point and having somebody from them, maybe not Nike directly, but someone at Nike recognized what you were doing, saw your passion and turned that into something. But um, I guess everybody could talk about it if you want to, but I just, I think about you two and being more like, you know, more like super public, you know, um, facing, I guess. Um, okay, what's the, what's the, maybe like a piece of advice for that, for working, that, like with, working brands? with brands? Yeah. Um, I guess my piece of advice would be to let, uh, to let you know that the brands are coming to you because of what you've already done. They see the work that you're doing. Like, don't try to conform like, oh, I'm working with Nike. Let me make something Nike-ish. Make what you make because that's why they're there. Um, like, if I, if I come to Reina and want sneaker art, I'm not going to tell her, hey, can you make it like Jacques? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come to her because I love what she's already doing. Um, so brands come to you for the art that you're already creating. So don't feel that you need to change what you're doing in order to fit their aesthetic, create what you're creating. And part of that, part of you allow, having that conversation is having that conversation with the brand up front, making sure that everybody understands exactly what's happening. And like, if, if you're coming to me for a video, you're gonna get a video in my white room, on my white table, with my three camera angles, cause that's how, that's the content that I create and make sure that they understand that that if, they, they're, if they're gonna come to me because they want me to sit in a room with, with comic book figures, I'm gonna say, hey, you should probably talk to Chris because that's not, that's not my vibe. That's not how I get down. I appreciate you reaching out to me, but if you want somebody that's gonna create like that, there's a person who's better suited to do that. And don't be afraid to, and this is a little off tangent, but don't be afraid to give your other friends work. There's enough money out there for all of us and if a brand comes to you and you know that there's somebody better suited to do that, give your friend or give a fellow artist the opportunity and let them prosper as well. Like all this money isn't yours and all the, all the popularity isn't yours. Be okay with saying, hey, this guy's better at that. You should talk to him. Um, because I think one, it'll, it'll, it'll show the brand that you're not just about the money. It'll show the person that you're working with that you're not 
about the money and that you're about the community as a whole. Um, and that there's this thing that they always say, rising tides lift all boats. So don't be afraid to, to help someone else out because um, that favor will come back to you and you'll appreciate it as well. Like you haven't done this all on your own and someone has helped you out. So be just as helpful to somebody else. Yeah, I think the the best advice I could give and just in life in general is just be authentic. You know, like if you're trying to be something you're not, your audience will see that, the brands will see that, and you're not going to engage the right people towards your content. Um, I think, you know, it's like I grew up with sneakers. And uh, like I said, I just started posting on social media. And then from there, brands came to me, which was so crazy, like Nike, Adidas, Puma. I mean insane that they were like, yo, we want to work with you. And I was like, what? I still, it's still crazy, crazy to me every time it happens. Um, but like Jacques is saying, just stay true to who you are and put out your voice and have it be central to who you are. And no one else can be you. And that's the beauty of it. And that's why brands will continuously come to you because only you can do what you do. Uh, so on that note, um, I think the other thing that, that came out of that, it, like supporting your friends, like I mean, all of us probably have dozens of people that we know here that we've known for a long time. But um, and, you know, I, I, I kind of called out Jacques and Tamara because you guys do like big brands more than the rest of us primarily. But um, could we talk about maybe some of the smaller partnerships that, like you said, you passing passing things back and forth or even just, you know, showing up to something like this that turns into, you know, an opportunity maybe? Something? Sure. Um, so in that sense, like, uh, I, I don't get paid for many things, um, this included, you know, just saying. Um, but uh, no, I'm just messing with you. Um, but, uh, but I don't think that that's a bad thing because you never know where there's opportunity. So um, any, any little thing, whether it's some dude trademarking your thing, that, that kind of like taught me to trademark the next logo and all that stuff to protect myself. And that's what every opportunity is like. It's like, it doesn't always have to be like, cut the check, you know what I mean? Like to, to be able to build a community, you have to like, just want to do it. Um, not because you feel like it's your job or because you feel like you, you are earning something. And, um, you know, like, like Jacques and you both, I've known you guys for almost the entire 10 years I've been doing this. Uh, the three of us have always been there for each other and we've never taken anything from one, one another, like whether it be like monetarily or any, anything like that. So, um, and that's really what building a community is like. So, um, you know, I don't know really what else to say other than I would never personally turn down any opportunity to do anything because you never know who you're going to meet on the other side uh, that could change your life. So, um, you know, like I, I can't remember, I was going to say something that I heard somewhere else, but I just brain farted. So I'm not even going to bother. But, um, but basically just like, I don't, I would never say no. You know what I mean? Oh, I just remembered. So, sorry. Um, it's like when you're sorry, I do this all the time. Um, my wife has a horrible time editing our videos. So, um, Basically, like, like I can't remember who said it, but there was some famous actor who was like, yeah, I never would turn down an interview with anyone, whether it's like some guy with a cell phone or uh, maybe what you're doing, like on E! News or something like a larger platform, just because somebody appreciates you. And that's the that's the part about building uh, relationships is that you're 
you're showing your appreciation by just being like, hey, I'm going to be there for you. Uh, I got to speak on the flip side of that coin, actually, uh, because I took that approach for quite a many years, and I think I still do. Saying no to an opportunity is difficult for me because I'm a hustler. Like, you go out and you get it however you can find. Um, but I have started saying no to certain interviews and certain opportunities because I want to make sure that the people that I'm speaking to understand the work in some capacity whether they understand it from the art side or the sneaker side. But if you come in it blind, you're not going to ask the right questions. Uh, and even if you're asking the same questions that you hear all the time, it's not any new information getting out. Um, so, you know, there's, like you said, there's two sides to that because you could reach a new audience. You could make a new uh, partnership that could last you a lifetime. Um, but you also have to protect your image a little bit and, and know that, once you get to that, you, you get to a certain point where take every opportunity you can get until you can have a sense for the ones that you're like, eh, that's not an, that's an opportunity to set myself up for for failure. Uh, not so, and let me just say this on the topic of failure, you have to fail in order to succeed. So don't be afraid of that. But you also don't want to set yourself up to fail. So uh, yeah, it's, it's a fine line, but definitely a double-sided coin. So, did you want to touch on that, Reina? Yeah. Okay. Well, I was thinking, like, you've done a good job with, like, partnerships, like, with Sneaker Lab and the guys. And, you know, like, you have friends at Sneaker Inc. And, like, I think there's something there around the, like, small collaborations that turn into much bigger things. Um, I don't know where I'm going with that, but, yeah. Um, like, maybe, Reina, could you talk to... Even that first time that partnership happened with Sneaker Lab and you were able to like get your artwork right there in you know, a cool community really that like exists downtown here in Los Angeles. So Yeah, definitely. Some of the most uh influential partnership that I had is actually with not the big brands. It's been like the smaller community-based events because it's focused so much around the community itself. And you know, especially with sneakers and art combined, like community is the actual uh, core, like that drives the entire thing. So it was, you know, going on into those events, being exposed directly into that community and talking with the people, hearing their stories and getting the like raw, authentic experiences that they grew up around sneakers. And for me, that was the most valuable experience and knowledge that I got in in order for me to interpret it artistically in my way. So yeah, like Sneaker Labs event was like huge for me. I met so many great friends there. And, you know, I always look forward to those events, like even Designer Con too. Like this is where I make so many great friends and meet my social media friends. Like this is like social media in real life. You know, it's like, oh, that's what you look like in real life. <laughs> that's actually a great point too. And I, I maybe I would toss this to you, Tamara, because like, you do a lot of work on Instagram and on social media, but like how important is that real life connection for you to come out and be a part of something like this to, to maintain that, you know, social media? I mean, that's my favorite part is like actually meeting people in person and coming to places like designer con or any of the cons and actually connecting with people. Um, yeah. And it's like everyone else. Like when I first met Jacques, I was like, yo, I've seen your stuff. That's awesome. And like when I met Reina, like I was a fan of her art before I met Reina. And I was like, this is so rad, you know, like um, 
and I'll just touch a little bit on the idea of the community because that's what this is. You know, the sneaker community is really tight and I've met some incredible people, some sitting in the audience um, that I would maybe not have met otherwise. And like, these aren't just people that I consider to be like sneaker friends. I consider them to be real friends um, and I'm grateful for it. I, on that note, I think there's some kind of to what you were touching on earlier, but um, there's a certain vibe that you get with people. And I think that, you know, these events are also great because you get to see that there's thousands of people here that are interested in something that you're interested in. So I'm going to toss this to you, Chris, just because I know your history. But um, how do you how do you deal with um, maybe the the how do you avoid the negativity? Right. I, you know, it's like you don't you want to vibe. You want to vibe with people when you work with them. Right. Like we all have created this and created friendships in this world that is foreign to so many people. But like we're all just normal people, you know, um, maybe speak to that and like how how the process of like you know, kind of finding your own community within this, within each of these communities works. Um, I've, I've been pretty lucky to, to where it's, it's been pretty natural, um, you know, where maybe a fan turns into a friend or, or something like that. Um, like what you were saying though, is that there are a lot of snakes in the grass. So you gotta, you gotta make sure that you're careful. They're, they're everywhere and you usually can't see them. They're camouflaged. Um, and there's a lot of people in just this space in general uh, that will take advantage of maybe your platform or what you've built for their own interest or maybe their business's interest or whatever it is. You, you learn pretty quickly which one is which, um, especially if you've done it for a long time. Um, everybody has like a, a Peter Tingle, if you've seen, uh, you know what I mean, uh, the, the latest Spider-Man. But um, so everybody's got their little spider sense and you've got to be able to like, feel it and then understand that that's what that is. Like your, your gut feeling that butterfly in your stomach, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. Um, you just got to like listen to yourself and, and kind of fill out a situation. Cause there's, there's lots of people where it's like, like we're cool in person, but not to the point to where I'd want to be on a panel with you. Um, and that's not a, that's not, that's not shade, but it's just, it just, it is what it is. Um, versus something like this where you gel a little bit more with people, so you kind of stick within that that little circle. Uh, you were asking about dealing with the uh, or avoiding negative energy, and uh, I don't know that it can be avoided, um, but I think how you look at it, process it, and it's also about like a little bit of perseverance. When I first started, people were like, "Why the hell are you cutting up?" these sneakers that we love so much. And I'm like, just, just trust me. You'll understand, like see a few of these and, and you'll get it. And, and I feel like over the years, the tides turned a little bit. There's still negativity from people that are new to it and don't really understand, don't necessarily see the love for sneakers that it takes to create them. Um, but it's important that you put more weight to the positivity and the support that you receive um, cause it is very easy. I could, I could have a, a new mask posted and there could be a hundred positive comments and just one nasty comment that you raining positivity, but that, that negative comment is like a lightning bolt and it seems to hit just a little bit harder and you have to step back and be like, wait, hold on. I'm doing this to myself. I'm focusing on just the negative versus all of this other positivity. Uh, and you just got to 
we just refocus and, and look back to that positivity. Um, I think I, I guess I have pretty much the same answer too, especially the comment section is, could be a nightmare, right? Um, you know, especially for us, like when we create, we spend so many hours making this thing and you expect it to perform a certain way and it doesn't, oh, it blows, yeah? And so, you know, uh, having negativity around what you create, like it will always be there, but it's, you know, like you said, it's so important to have that mental like agility to be like, nope, like that's I'm not going to focus on this and, you know, have that little um, adjustment. If you don't have any haters, you're not making enough noise. And I had to learn that the hard way. Uh, I think haters are just an effect of success in whatever you might be doing, whether it's sneakers or not. Um, you can't be afraid, man. It's like, uh, I, I, when I worked with Complex and I used to do uh, all the videos and that comment section was brutal. The first time I was kind of indoctrinated into the YouTube sneaker world through Complex, I got roasted so hard because they didn't want to hear some random chick talk about sneakers. They didn't know who I was. They didn't know where I came from. They didn't really care, to be honest. And if I had let them, you know, break me down, which they kind of did low-key sometimes because <laughs> they could be mean as hell. Um, but I wouldn't be where I am today. You know, I would have given up and who knows what path I would be on. But like I did it. I kept coming back to work and I kept talking about what I was passionate about and I kept posting what I thought was dope. Um, and that took me so much further than, you know, worrying about the lightning bolt comments that you get because it's hard. Like you can hear so many great things about what you're doing. And that one person that says that one thing, it gets in your head and you're like, ah, but you can't please everyone. And if you keep trying, then you're gonna fail and it's gonna be worse than you started. So keep doing you, period. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, last question and then we'll open it up if anybody has any questions. So um, if you had somebody here is looking to make their way in the sneaker world, maybe make a little bit of extra money, what's one piece of advice you have for them? I don't, I don't know much about the money part because like, <laughs> most of my money comes from the ad revenue. So um, all I could say is that if you want to create something, just create it. Uh, you know, whether, whether you're applying for a job or you're just going to start up a YouTube channel to talk about and uh, use it as an outlet, just, just do something, just do it. Because uh, that little thing is like one baby step to the bigger picture. You just might not see it yet. He said, one advice for someone looking to make their way with their passion for sneakers, I would have to say uh, from personal experience, it's you, you got that passion for sneakers, find out, find something else that you have a passion for and combine it with the sneakers because there's a huge audience that likes sneakers, but you'll find your niche audience by further kind of identifying yourself through whatever you're creating. Uh, for me, it was masks, but you could be a chef or you could be a tennis player. I, I, I literally could be anything that you're into. Just combine that with sneakers and chances are you got people waiting to spend money with you. Yeah, and I would say that the, the advice that we're giving now doesn't just apply to sneakers. Um, it applies to really whatever it is that you like. 
whether you are a, a makeup artist or a barber or you you make vinyl figures or you do stencils or you do woodwork or you cook or you're a librarian, whatever it is, um, you you have a unique voice and use your unique voice to tell your story through whatever it is that it is you, that you love and that you want to talk about. Um, all of us, we just happen to have sneakers is the common thread with us, but this could, this could just as easily be a panel about lanyard makers. And we'd be like the top lanyard makers in the world. And we all discuss that in some unique way through our own voice. So I think that the core thing and the, the thing that's going to, to work best for you is you being you and being who you are and telling that story through your own lens. Even though we all love sneakers, we all tell our story of sneakers in our own unique way. Like there's no way I could do what Gary does. Like, I, like it's impossible for me to do what Gary does. But I tell stories the way that I tell stories and he tells stories the way that he tells stories. And we still are able to talk about sneakers. So for you out there, if you're a lanyard maker, tell your lanyard maker story the way you want to tell your lanyard maker story in your own unique voice, whether that's on top of a mountain somewhere and you, you love to hike and you make lanyards in a peaceful setting in the mountains with snow. If that's how you tell your story, tell your story. Or if you draw pictures of chairs and you want to do it on a volcano somewhere in Hawaii, like that's your unique perspective and tell that unique perspective in your own way. And that's what's going to make the difference and separate you from what everybody else does and give you the advantage that only you have. Fuck. I think you just created an ultimate unit. <laughs> um, I, you know, I'll have to agree like a hundred percent with what you just said. Um, I guess if I can piggyback to that idea, um, uh, I guess, you know, you can always have, you always have this crazy idea somewhere in your head and you, it's a, it's a scary thing to execute it, right? It's like, what's the point of even making these things? But I think for me, you know, speaking from experience, like combining sneakers with women, like what, like, what is that even going to do? But it unexpectedly ended up giving me so many new opportunities. So it's important every so often to like revisit those crazy ideas that you have. Like, what if I combine these two like very, you know, unrelated things? Like what what will happen? Like you don't know until you try it and you got to give those ideas a chance. I look, you want to make lanyards now. Um, <laughs> um, I think for me personally, um, when I want to do something, I think it has to be the best possible thing that is put out there. So if I want to make a video, it has to be shot this way. It has to be edited this way. Or if I want to do a photo, it has to be so crisp and clear and the best whatever. And I've realized that sometimes when I do that, it doesn't get done because it gets too big in my head and then it just doesn't get done. So I think ultimately we all have the power to make money in the palm of our hands because we have our phones and a lot of our phones have you can take pictures, you can do videos. And that's basically how most of us um, kind of created this income. So you can do, you can today go and just take a photo of your sneaker and put it up and hashtag it, share it with your friends, whatever it is. Um, and like they're saying, just make it unique to you. So you just taking a photo of the sneaker, maybe not cool, but like if you live on the top of a mountain somewhere and you take a photo of that sneaker on top of that mountain, people might reshare it. And that's how 
you know, you'll aggregate more of an audience to your, your platform. So if you're a lanyard maker that wants to make lanyards on the top of a volcano, uh, Jacques your guy, but, um, otherwise that pretty much wraps it up. Does anybody have anything else they want to add? Does anybody have any questions for anybody on the panel or everyone? Follow person you bet your seekers and the story behind Beauty Vanguard. All right. So the coolest person you've met through sneakers and the story behind meeting them. Uh, for me, it's just like certain NBA guys. Uh, Derek Rose was one of them. Um, super cool guy. Damian Lillard. Uh, I'm friends with some of, not them, but um, I'm friends with like Langston Galloway, uh, stuff like that. So those are like surreal moments. Um, you know, the, the, be the best thing that I ever like, I, I didn't meet because it's not a person, but Jacques and I play basketball at Michael Jordan's house. And I mean, that's like, you, you, can't, you can't get any better than that, I don't think. So that was a glory moment. Uh, I, I got to say KD because I got to see him again uh, today. So that was nice. Um, but I'm a, I'm a hip hop fanboy. So getting able to get, meet Method Man, become friends with Everlast, uh, meet Action Bronson, like these guys are, I, I, I took so much of my inspiration and the way I run my business and my life through hip hop that every time I meet an MC that had an impact on me, it just, it feels full circle. Um, I'm just gonna, I guess I'm gonna kind of flip this one a little bit. Um, I guess cool people, I guess we've all met, we've all had a chance to make cool people, but like for me, I would say that probably the best person that I've met is probably Nick um, in sneakers. Um, Nick, no, I mean, just, just to keep it real, um, just, just a really good guy, has your back 100%, um, just like a really good person. And I've met quote unquote cool people. I've met Kobe, I've met Jeff Goldblum, I've, I've met KD, uh, I've met Kevin Hart. Like I've met those people, but like, they don't have a direct impact on my life. Um, those are just like people like passing in the wind. Like you meet somebody at a grocery store and, and you meet them in line and you guys buy Snickers and like, oh, I like Snickers too. And like, that's kind of the conversation, but that's the end of that. And they don't really have an impact on your life. Um, but like Nick is someone I met through Sneakers and has become a friend and like a confidant and someone that I know I can go to if I have an issue or if I have a problem with something or that's gonna give me advice or, call me on my bullshit. Like he's like someone that has a direct impact on my life. So for me, I would say the best person that I've probably met in that world of that because of sneakers would probably be Nick. So that's my cool person. Um, I was going to say KD too. <laughs> that was crazy. Um, for me, because of my art, like a lot of people, you know, thankfully noticed what I was doing and they ended up, you know, reaching out to me and, you know, Jeff Staple reached out to me. Uh, Homeo from Atmos reached out to me. It was like, and it's something that I never thought I would come across. And like meeting those people, talking to them was just like, my, like, is this even happening? You know, that was very crazy. But yeah, like, thank, I'm very thankful for that. Um, I feel like a very LA person now saying these celebrities when <laughs> you had such like a touching <laughs> answer. Um, so yes, while I've been grateful to meet some incredible people through sneakers, um, you guys want the good. So 
I will say Kobe and LeBron um, was pretty, pretty cool. So this question is for Reina. Um, what was the shoe that um, really inspired you to start designing? How was the first shoe? What was the first shoe I drew? Yeah, what was the one that really brought inspiration to oh, your design? Okay. Um, the first one, the first piece that I've ever done was the Chicago ones. It's like the most iconic Jordans. Um, and so, yeah, I saw that and I wasn't, uh, I didn't really grow up with in like deep into the sneaker culture. It was something that I came to America and I met these sneaker heads and it just like blew my mind. And when they showed me like different shoe stores in LA, I was like, what is this? And it blew my mind. And I just wanted to try drawing um, something to like show how much I appreciated, like because I, I was so inspired, you know. So, um, yeah, I've, I felt like it was right for me to start with that shoe and just to experiment. It turned out amazing. And that pretty much opened like a floodgate for me in like a great way. So, yeah. Awesome. So, uh Wrap it up, but just want to make sure that everybody knows how to connect with all of you. Uh, maybe that's the best place that they can connect with you, whether you're at or Um, Yeah, if you want to chat with me, just find me somewhere in the sea of people. Um, otherwise, you can hit me up on Instagram. Uh, it's just at Nightwing2303, and um, that's pretty much it. Uh, I'm at FreehandProfit on Instagram and Twitter, and uh, yeah, that's pretty easy to find. And I'm at Cousteau, uh everywhere on the internet. That's K-U-S-T-O-O. And you can find me on Instagram at underscore Viva La Reina. And I have a booth over at 916 if you want to check out my work. Um, it'll be all there. And I'm at Tamardia across all my socials. Spelled like that right there. <laughs> Thank you guys for coming. Right on. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, guys. Hey everyone, this is Nick again. Before you take off, do us a solid and head over to Apple Podcasts to leave us a review. Give us a rating on Spotify and Amazon Music, and make sure you're subscribed to our YouTube channel because we have even more video content coming soon. Speaking of new content, we have an amazing community of sneaker enthusiasts that hang out in our Sneaker History Discord on a daily basis. While sneakers is a connection point that brought us all together, we've all discovered countless shared passions that we have in common with each other. We recently launched a couple of new podcasts directly from our community. One of them is a Formula One podcast. If you're an F1 fan like me, the Exhaust Notes podcast is your weekly fix of Formula One fun. It's hosted by myself, Rohit Malhotra, and Todd Yates. New episodes drop every Tuesday. I've been wearing fitted hats for years and collecting my favorite teams since I was a little leaguer. It has been awesome to see so many new fans getting into fitteds in recent years. Crown and Stitch is our new talk show about fitted hats with Dexter, Keith, and myself, where we talk about fitted hats, snapbacks, throw in some obscure hats because we all kind of like some funky stuff once in a while, don't we? Copping, collecting, and so much more. New episodes drop every Wednesday. Hit the links in the show notes for this episode to give our new shows a listen and be on the lookout for more new podcasts dropping soon. Last but not least, tell someone you like their kicks today. You never know how far a simple compliment can take you, and we all know how good it feels to have someone show their appreciation. Thank you all for the support, and we'll catch you on the next episode. Peace.